Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class John Valentine. Welcome to the Veterans Be Real podcast. Here's where we try to keep it real and do our best to help all our fellow veterans out there. This podcast will hopefully open our veterans' eyes into the transition and challenges they are facing and give them some guidance along the way. Please subscribe and download our podcast. We look forward to you, your insight, and your loyalty. Thanks for listening. And now, here's Veterans Be Real. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon or good evening, all my veteran Be Real listeners out there. The Sergeant Be Real. It's Nick Valentine, Sergeant Be Real. I'm here with you today. I have Travis Arnold is going to be on the show with us today. He's going to talk to us a little bit about his military service, what he's doing now, and then kind of what he was doing in between. So we're going to talk about that. So, Travis, the floor is yours, my friend. Hey, good afternoon, and thanks for having me on. Of course. My name is Travis Arnold. I'm currently in Orange County, California. I'm not being held against my will and I'm not a hostage by the communist state. I just enjoy the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I'm originally born and raised in Wisconsin, made my way down to Arizona via the National Guard and just recently moved out here about two years ago. But a little backstory, 2001, July 1st, 2001, is when I stood in front and, you know, swore in at MEPS. Two months later, obviously, September 11th hit, and that uh, changed everything for, I think, a lot of us. I was, I had just enlisted into the Wisconsin National Guard. I was in the delayed entry program, so still a senior in high school at that time, and I was sitting in one of the classes in high school when we watched that second plane fly into the World Trade Center. And, you know, everybody had looked at me because they had known that I just joined the military. And it was a it was kind of a surreal experience because we knew at that point that, you know, here we are, we're going to be at war. Shipped off to basic training that summer. I went down to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. My first MOS was a 13 Bravo field artillery cannon crew member. As I was finishing AIT as a 13 Bravo, I got a message saying that my unit has reclassified me and now I'm going to retrain as a 13 Echo. So I get to stay in Fort Sill for even longer and go through a second MOS. Lucky you. Yeah. (laughs) So by the time that I finally finished all my schooling and headed back up, you know, I was National Guard, so I was doing the one weekend a month thing. Started school, went for originally web and digital media development, and I wasn't able to stay at that too long because that next summer we had some training and Fullbird Colonel had walked into the classroom and said, we need some volunteers. Can't tell you where we're going yet, but you can assume, and we just need some people to raise their hands and volunteer. And, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I was in between semesters. College really wasn't vibing for me at the time, so... I mean, I knew I was going to be going to Iraq, so I raised my hand and said, let's go. And just maybe a few weeks later, they had already cut orders, and I was on my way down to Fort Hood, Texas. I know that place. Yeah, I live there. <laughs> yeah, I saw you were based out of Colleen there, so I definitely yep. wanted to throw that in. A little shout out to um, Fort yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, spent uh, about six, no, it wasn't even six months, maybe five months in Fort Hood, Texas, 
everybody was gone. The entire first cab was already in country at the time. And we were a part of, attached to a Louisiana National Guard unit. So in October timeframe, we met up with them in Kuwait and immediately convoyed up into Iraq. And once I got into Iraq, we were then assigned under 282 field artillery from 1st Cav. And I got to work on a counter-mortar, counter-artillery radar system. And 14 months later, finally came home and immediately went back on active duty once again to go down to Arizona, where I worked with the Border Patrol for a year on the Southwest Border Mission. Nice. Yeah. So even though it was National Guard, it, it didn't feel like it because it was you know activation after activation. And by the time I was all said and done, I pretty much had a full four years of active duty under my belt. I finished up with the border mission and I applied for the sheriff's office that was there in southern Arizona in Santa Cruz County, Nogales. Mm-hmm. Was hired and went through the police academy and was a deputy sheriff in Southern Arizona for 10 years. Picked up and learned how to speak Spanish, eventually promoted my way up to sergeant and split ways with the sheriff's office two years ago to make my way up here to California. Well, listen, and I think it's important too that all all of our listeners out there, so you heard the story Travis talking about, he went in the National Guard thinking, okay, I'm gonna serve, but I might not serve you, but then look what happened to him. Four and a half, almost five, probably close to five years of active duty time because they called him, he volunteered to go, and then they pulled him back on active duty, and then they put him on another mission. So all of you guys out there in the National Guard, I mean, there's, you know, we joke as active duty soldiers about National Guard and reservists all the time, but I honestly think at times it might be harder to be a National Guard soldier or reservist because active duty guys, we know we're soldiers every day when we get up and go to PT, blah, blah. But a National Guard or reservist, they get up, go to a regular kind of job, da, 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 and then all of a sudden they might just get yanked or pulled, and their whole life converts into what our life is. And then when they're done, they get thrown right back out to the civilian sector, so to speak, to back to the National Guard. And it's just different command setting and different, you know, I, I think it's a very, actually, to be honest with you, I think it's a more challenging career path, not only because, you know, you're only getting so many days a month and or so many hours or whatever, and they track it different, the retirement's different. Like there's a whole bunch of things that are just completely, I don't know, catawampus, I guess is the best way to put it. Like it's just, it's just way different than being active duty. You know, I was at duty from 1990 to 2000, and then I got out 2010, I retired 20 years. And I was I'm 39 years old. I'm going to retire and check the rest of my life. You know, National Guard or reservists, they got to wait till they're 65. And it's, it's a weird system. So it's a completely polar opposite. You know, like I said, us active duty guys, used to, you know, we rag on the National Guard and reservists. But I think sometimes they might have a harder life because, like you just explained, National Guard, you weren't expected necessarily in your head that you were going to be gone a year or 14 months or whatever. You thought maybe, okay, I might get pulled active duty. Maybe I'm replaceably at Fort Hood, for example while they're deployed, and I'm just filling a hole for them there. I'm not necessarily going to go to Iraq, but then your MOS is probably one of those things like, yeah, you're going to go to Iraq because you're a cannon cocker and you're going to go pull some cannon cocker. So you're going to go, you know what I mean? So I mean, it's, it's interesting to me because I don't think a lot of people out there that are active duty right now really respect as much as we should what a National Guard or Reserve soldier got to go through because it's a different lifestyle, you know? Now that I've been out a little while, I've been out for about 10 years now, I can really sit back now and look at the challenges that would face guys like you, Travis, that are... You know, you went in with the mindset you're going to be, you know, you're going to be patriotic and join and you're going to serve. But in the back of your mind, you probably thought, okay, I might, something might happen. I mean, of course, 9-11 happened and you probably knew. But most soldiers, I think, that joined the National Guard Reserve probably feel like, okay, it's a good way to get college money. It's a good way for me to kind of, you know, and I got a decent, I got some medical coverage when I'm on duty. But, but, you know, I mean, boom, and then something like that happens to you and you're on for a year or 14 months. So it's crazy out there. So you guys listening, you know, it's important for us to have National Guard and Reservists on the show to show you that, 
even though they're National Guard Reserve, it doesn't mean that they don't go through the same crap we go through as soldiers. You know what I'm saying? They deployed. He was there for 14 months. You heard him. 13, 14 months time frame between Fort Hood time and the time in Iraq. And as a National Guard guy, you're not away from your family like we are in our active army like that. You know what I mean? Like my wife would expect me to be gone to the field or whatever, blah, 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 because we did. But a National Guard soldier's family doesn't expect that at that level, at least. I mean, yeah, you, you get activated and go to a, you know, your unit specifically your unit's going to war then yeah you know that but if you're like you're filling in and then they send you when you fill now they're going to go because you're on active duty it's just a nut man i don't know how you do it i'll be honest with you i don't know how i would have done being national guard i think i was in a fortunate situation that i was still really young at when i went through all of that i mean i was 20 when i went to iraq 21 when i was coming back so, I mean, I was in my young 20s and I, I didn't have the family tied on. I didn't have wife or kids or anything like that. But as I continued with, you know, I eventually did transfer into the Arizona National Guard. I was with a military police unit there, which was, you know, only because their artillery unit had disbanded and I was already working as a deputy sheriff. So it right. made sense. It made sense for them, yeah. Makes sense to put you in that job, yeah. But then, you know, I met my wife. We had two kids. 2013 came along, and now I was at the end of my second six-year contract. So just finishing up 12 years. And I then had to make and take that look as, do I re-up or do I go to Afghanistan? Because my unit at that point had been mobilized to head over to Parwan Detention Facility. And it was, it was one of those things where, I mean, I had a newborn and a year and a half year old kid. So it was one of those things. And, you know, medically, they ended up saying that I couldn't re-up anyways. Um, So, but that's, I think if I were to, to try to, push any message across to our National Guard, uh, National Guard, our reservists, is that because of the unique situation of these part-time statuses, we're going to face a lot of challenges and oddities that typically our, our active duty brothers don't have to deal with. For one, right now I'm dealing with the VA disability process. And I have made three requests in to get copies of all of my medical records. And I just finally was told that throughout all of the states that I'd served with and under all federal records, I do not have a single medical record, any treatment record from any time that I was in the military. So, I mean, medically, I just don't exist. What? (laughs) So you never (laughs) went to sick call your whole career. You never went to sick call. Yeah, never went to sick call. I mean, as much as I want to think that I was a badass, I mean, there were issues. Nobody's that badass. Nobody nobody (laughs) can survive any time in the Army without being a sickle, at least even if it was a sprained ankle. But, I mean, damn, because, I mean, that's just crazy. But you guys out there listening, think about that. So if you are a National Guard soldier or a reservist, maybe it's a good idea for you to go get whatever medical records you have and make sure you have a copy of them. Make sure they make copies for you at the aid station and say, hey, make me a digital copy or whatever. And start saving that stuff because you don't want to run into this because now when Travis is going to go to the VA and try to make a claim, he's got no paperwork to back any claim. So if he hurt his back or he hurt his shoulder or he hurt, you know, what, or he's got PTSD even, if there's no record of it, then they can't say it's service connected. Therefore, you're not going to get any disability for it. So Jesus, Travis, I mean, I hate for you to have to be that kind of like the guinea pig on my show. But listen, what I'm saying right now is if you're a National Guard soldier reservist, you need to make sure you go get all your medical records right now and start every time you go to a sick call or you go to a doctor's one, you get a copy of whatever and stick it in a separate folder you keep at your house because that scares the shit out of me because I literally had like two full-size medical records when I got out because I was broken throughout my career, beaten up, ranger school, blah, 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 whatever. And I know when I got out, I had like two CDs, like literally they printed up two CDs. I had so many medical records. 
So I couldn't imagine trying to go to the VA without any of that stuff and trying to say, hey, man, I'm broke. You know what I mean? But they're looking at me going, no. So, I mean, I, I feel for you too, bro, because that's scary because you and I both know for a fact you were in the Army for 12 years as a reserve, whatever. You were at sick call a couple times in your career, no matter what, because some, all of us get sick, all of us get injured at one point or another. So that's scary. So definitely didn't, didn't even... Even in some of the laws, there's a big discrepancy between benefits from the active duty to the National Guardsmen. You know, your active duty guys will do, you know, they need three years of active duty and then they qualify for full GI Bill benefits. It doesn't work that way for the Guardsmen. They have to get activated into federal orders and very specific federal Title 10 orders in order to qualify these things. So even after all of my different active duty times, I had only qualified for 60% benefits and I didn't even qualify for the, the recent with the, the forever GI bill because my last date of active duty was prior to January 1st, 2013. So unfortunately in three months, the last bit of my GI bill benefits will expire. So there are probably people still in right now that had enlisted right around that September 11th timeframe that had done some active duty time and would be eligible for some of these GI Bill benefits. And if you haven't done active duty post 2013, your GI Bill benefits aren't forever. And they don't, that clock doesn't start when you leave the guard or the reserve. It starts when you had left active duty. So when I got out from my deployment in Iraq in 2005, that's when they started. I'm going to, this is a moment I'm just going to say, I'm glad I wasn't in the National Guard Reserve because I'd be pissed <laughs> off like a mother father right now. Boy, I mean, I, listen, if you're active to your National Guard and you're listening to this show right now, and I'm going to make sure that a lot of you know when I launch this episode that it was what it was, so you know, because this is crucial and crucially important to you because we're hearing the nut, the, just the nut fuck that Travis has gone through and now he's stuck and he's not going to get some of the benefits he really should be entitled to along with his VA disability and the other stuff with the VA and all that stuff because they've got no records. So, yeah, if you're in National Guard Reserves, you better get a hold of all your medical records for sure. And then you need to make sure when you're put on active duty, what version of active duty you're put on. Is it at class, what does it say, class 10 or whatever? Because I don't even know. But the point is you need to make sure that the benefits you're tracking. And then when before you get off active duty, you need to ask those questions before you get sent back to your National Guardian. Like, what benefits did I get? You know, you got to ask those questions to somebody. Because evidently, Travis. You got you yeah. gotta, I mean, go above and beyond. You know, right. when you were active duty, you started and you finished your active duty time. And when you finished, they gave you a DD-214. For your reservist, your National Guard guys, every activation and every stand down should result in you getting a DD-214 cut. There's a certain time frame. I think it's 30 days or whatever it is. But if you're coming off of a mission, and these could be things, different activations, state-level activations or federal activations, make sure that you get a up-to-date, good DD-214 to keep attaching into your file with it. Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, they, they always talk about the I love me folder. And I know that had to have been universal through yeah, active duty. Or, everybody, or everybody's I love me book, yeah. You have to. And I know people had told me the importance of it when I was in and I brushed it off. I mean, oh, here I was, I was, I was a young guy. I had, I was already, you know, had a full-time career. I was a badass law enforcement officer. You know, I was working my way up there. I mean, I wasn't worried about it, but 
things can change in your life that you yeah. never you know, can. You know, I'm glad you said that, Travis, because I think that's an important part, too, for all our National Guard guys. Even if you have a great job on the outside and you're happy with it and you're successful and you're doing well like Travis was, he ends up getting promoted to sergeant. So I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, I'm good. I got my job here. I'm going to get benefits from this, that maybe not the same type. But so you focus on the job you're at because you're trying to be successful and get promoted and you're not focused on that kind of the back of your mind stuff like that national guard time and not a big deal. I left the army. I'm not out. I'm back at the job. I'm back at my job. I'm being a cop or I'm being whatever I'm working at Walmart, whatever it might be. But I think you're right. I think the forefront of your mind is you're worried about your family, your job, what you're doing right now. You're not thinking about the shit you're going to lose out on because you're not paying attention to it now. So again, if you're national guard or reserve, you heard him, make sure you get your DD two fourteens when you get deactivated from the active duty and go back to your unit. Make sure you put that in your, I love me book. And if you don't have an, I love me book, Ladies and gentlemen, you better get your head out of your ass and start making one because yep. this is a for real thing. Because like I have my last ERB that I ever got in the army. I have my you know my DD two fourteen. I have all my NCOERs. I have all my like I have everything because I got taught by a very hard charging young E five when I was a private that anything you get in the military you put in this book and you keep it until you get out of the army. And I was like Roger Sarn, and I literally did every fucking piece of paper, correspondence courses, whatever. I put it all in that book, and my binder was pretty thick when I got out. But the point is. I kept everything because I was told young and I was told if I didn't, I'd get in trouble. So I did it, you know, because I don't want to get in trouble, but this could be detrimental for a national guard or reservist. If you're not doing this because it could impact the rest of your life. Honestly, sitting here looking at Travis, I'm sitting there going, Jesus, this is a veteran that's going to suffer because, and it's really boggling my mind too right now. Cause I was a medic and I know like in Afghanistan and Iraq, when I was there, every time a soldier came to the aid station, that shit got put into a computer. Like, yeah, we did paperwork too, but all of us at the end of the day, the medics at the end of the day, we I would assign my medics. They would go log in, you know, Private Arnold, Sergeant Arnold came in, da, da, da. He had this, this, this. So we annotated in a log for our docs. So when our PA and our docs went through everything and signed off and everything. So for them to not have it, one, I think they're BSing you. Because I know if you were in Iraq and you went to any kind of sick call shit, I know that shit's digitally somewhere. They can look your social up and they, they'll find so I'm a little. Well, it, it, it didn't surprise me because you know this was one of those things when I transferred over to Arizona Guard and showed up and you know I didn't have an ETA 50 at the time. Everything had been turned into CIF when I was demoving from Iraq and showed up to Arizona pretty much naked. I didn't even have any of the new uniforms at that point. And they looked and they're like, "Well, we see here that you've got full TA 50 that's signed out and checked out." And that was interesting enough. I ended up having to pay back all of that. And once again, it was just because our guard soldiers have that unique situation. You're going to be tossed around and it could be tossed around to different states. And so there was a situation. I was technically Wisconsin Guard assigned to Louisiana National Guard at the time. So when I was in Iraq, Louisiana didn't want to promote me because I wasn't one of theirs. Wisconsin didn't want to promote me because I wasn't there drilling with them. And so... Exactly. So I actually walked out of Iraq with the Global War on Terror Expeditionary Medal and an AAM. <laughs> I see people coming back with RCOMs, MSMs, everything under the sun, and you know, stacks full of ribbons. And you know, it's one of these things where you can quickly get swept under well, uh, the rug. Bad. And I, I honestly think that's a huge thing. That's a huge challenge for you as a National Guard or Reservist because, like you said, you get put into an active duty unit once you get over there, so you're not really even a part of that unit. So you're not going to get the care and the concern from the, the leadership because, you, yeah, you're there and you're helping out. Maybe you make an impact, you get it. But, like, I know – I'll be honest with you. When I was in Afghanistan, 
I ran an aid station in, at a fob under Salerno on the far, the far east side of, of the country. We had all them fucking just bad. But we ran it with a National Guard unit from Missouri, right? So we basically spit, like I was a senior NCO and, and we, they had their own senior NCO. So basically, I ran logistics for the aid station, but they took care of all the medevacs and all the stuff coming in on the radio. And I, but I took care of the logistics with the fob and the sergeant major and everybody. So I was like the face of the company, but, but we had to meld together. And then when we wrote awards at the end of the year, you know, we were all talking, sitting down, doing it together to make sure everybody got annotated for what they did. So it was very, I think, I think that's probably the only benefit to being National Guard is if you're medical, because you're working with other medical people who's, and I'm not trying to say this to say everybody in the Army is not medical stupid or anything, but, you know, GT scores and education levels seem to be a little higher in the medical. When you're working with doctors and nurses and you're, you're a little bit sharper and you understand people a little different, so there's a lot of opportunities for you to talk and meet people. I'm not saying I was infantry when I first, combat arms when I first came in, so it's not that, but the point is, the mindset of the leadership's different in different environments, right? So, like, wherever you were in a field artillery unit, they're probably just like, yeah, you're just another guy on the line. Yeah, you get your AM, get your global war, and then go, because you're not even really ours, so just get back to your unit. And that's unfortunate, and that's just part of the – I think that's just part of the beat of the world, the way the world works. But, man, you've opened my eyes to a lot of stuff, man. I didn't even think stuff like that would happen to a National Guard, because you would think that a National Guard soldier – I mean, I understand the promotion system, because I have a buddy who's in the AG – he's AGR, and he, he tells me that all the time, and people get promoted there just because a slot opens up. And they can fill it, so they fill it with the person they like or whatever, so they just get promoted because it's not the same promotional way they do us in the active duty. So I'm like, all right, you know, shit. But they're not active duty. They're still National Guard. But now they're an E7 instead of an E6 or E5 instead of E6 or whatever. But it's challenging, man. So, I, I mean, you've opened my eyes to a lot to think about. When I, I might need to get some more National Guard soldiers on the show just because I think it'd be interesting to see if it's a tide or if it's just your specific case or – it's kind of the norm. So it's kind of, I, I think I was, you know, they always tell you, don't raise your hand, don't volunteer for shit. And, you know, for some things that's good advice for other things, it's, it's bullshit. It's, you know, the E4 mafia scam. Yeah. But I think I was maybe a little bit unique with it is because I did go and volunteer for such unusual situations. Right. You know, I volunteered right at the forefront of the war in Iraq. I went out with a completely different state and uh, mobilized. You know, I got back and, you know, before my unit could even receive me back, I'm already going on another mission down to another state. So I might have definitely been a unique situation, but I think the lessons learned with it can, you know, translate to anybody that's in active or guard. And that's making sure that you're staying on top of your records, both your military personnel records and your medical records. You know, making sure that your I love me folder is, you know, up to date and accurate. And then just staying on top of yourself, too, and making sure that, you know, as you're going along, you're taking full advantage of these benefits that you've earned and have the rights to. Well, man, I am so glad we had you on the show, Travis. I mean, it's been exciting talking to get to know you a little bit more, a little bit closer now that we met on Facebook a while back. But, man, it's good to really get to see your face and get to talk to you. So, listen, what can we do? as a military and veteran-based audience to help you with the business you're running now or things that you're doing in your community. So what can we do to help you out, Travis? Sure. You know, networking is always going to be one of the most important things that any of our transitioning soldiers and veterans can do. Network with anybody. My full-time job, I work for the company that you see on my my shirt here, Milduff. We do rugged technology, uh, computers, laptops, and, you know, and things ended up coming full circle. The radar program that I worked on in Iraq, I'm now working on these radars 
uh, with my full-time job. So it's great. Yeah. So network with people. You know, the wealth of knowledge that we have in our veteran community is so tremendous. And we already have this built-in camaraderie with us that, you know, you've got to make sure that you're networking with them. So do, I mean, if I'm going to say anything, reach out, connect with some some other veterans, you know, reach out and, and add me in on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. And then, you know, even on the, the side thing, yeah, I, I did start up my own company two months ago. Um, going back into, you know, the time in the military and doc, you might be a great person to, to talk about this with is, you know, how many times when you're in, did you have to dry shave? Oh, damn near. <laughs> well, when I was in Afghanistan, other than the bottle of water I had, but it was pretty much, yeah, pretty much a couple times a week. <laughs> yeah. At least. And it's miserable. And the only reason that we've ever done it is because if you bring in an aerosol or a gel or a cream, it's going to explode or a leak. Nobody solved that problem to this day. So I did that. I solved the problem. You know, we switched. You As know, you can see, uh, I don't shave that much anymore. But <laughs> you know, and, and I had a full, full beard. beard. <laughs> I had a full beard when I got out, but it was primarily because my neck was so ate up that I wanted to hide it. Yep. So I, I did. I came up with a hard puck shaving soap. And yeah. these are what, you know, our fathers and grandfathers would originally yeah, shave with. Use a, a brush. But I formulated this and I packaged it so that you can bring this out to the field. You can take it up and you can open it up and add a little bit of water and lather it with your hands and you're ready to shave. I wish, man. Basic training was the worst for me because I was one of those young kids that I had a five o'clock shadow like two o'clock in the afternoon. So my mm-hmm. drill sergeant's right before dinner every day, I'd be out there dry shaving with my damn, he'd let me put a little water in my hand for my canteen, but I'm basically dry shaving every day before chow. And it was like four of us that had to do it every day, man. And it drove me, and I'd be cut up and shit bleeding. Cause you know, and plus you don't have a mirror, you're just kind of going, you know what I mean? You don't get, yeah. you don't look at you, you're fucking going on your face, chicken king on your chin and all that. So yeah, that'd have been great. <laughs> But uh, right. yeah, the good thing, I had a uh, great call in with the Athey's guys this week, and hopefully they're going to start running my products in all of the post exchanges. Nice. That'd be great, man. That'd be great to get in post exchanges. I'm trying to get my liquor in there right now, so I'm working on that to get my shit into class sixes. So I'm working nice. on that too. But hey, listen, so everybody out there listening, so in our show notes at, at the end of the show, we'll make sure I'll, I'll make sure I get with Travis later. We'll make sure we get all those websites. Any information you want to get to get hold of Travis is Facebook, his LinkedIn, whatever. We'll make sure that's on the show notes. So if you want to reach out and get a hold of Travis, talk to him maybe about you as a National Guard soldier, maybe maybe get some one-on-one with him. I'm sure he'll be excited to talk to you and, and help you out. So we want to thank you, Travis, for being on the show. I appreciate you, brother, being on. And, and thank you for your service, my friend. I mean, it's a hard deal being a National Guard soldier, so I really do appreciate your service to our country, man. It's been amazing. Thank you for the support. You bet, man. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us because we got your back. Till next time, everyone, I'm out of here. Oh,